0: Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is presented by Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose to create a better life for all residents of the region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, our guests are Richard von Glan, who is the Policy Director for Missouri Jobs with Justice, and Bob Carr, who coordinated MCU's congregations to gather signatures for Medicaid expansion. And today, we're going to talk about Medicaid expansion in Missouri, and also a couple of other issues that we're tracking. So welcome, Richard and Bob. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. So the signatures have been turned in. So let's just start with, with that. Uh, what, were, what were the results? Sure. The Healthcare for Missouri campaign turned in nearly
1: 350,000 signatures, um, over two times as many as are needed to qualify for the ballot. Um, so we feel uh, very confident that we will be voting on this this fall. The next steps in the process are um, either the Secretary of State or local election authorities will validate those signatures, make sure we got enough from each uh, congressional district that we had to qualify in, and um, then the governor potentially has a role in deciding if this will be on the August or November ballot, although I would say every citizen initiative petition ever done Uh, in nearly 100 years in Missouri has been on the November ballot. Um, So it would it would take the governor um, pulling off some funny business
0: to try to move it to August. And here's a chance for both of you guys to do a little bragging. Uh, What what how many signatures did uh, the individual organizations collect between job Missouri jobs with justice and uh, MCU?
2: Well, MCU collected uh, over 15,000 signatures. We had uh, over 150 uh, volunteers who were involved from many different uh, congregations.
1: And Jobs of Justice, which is a statewide organization, gathered about 40,000 signatures um, on our effort. And similar to MCU, we had um, hundreds of people uh, all across the state involved in that effort. And I would say both MCU and Jobs with Justice are part of a coalition called the Missouri Organizing and Voter Engagement Collaborative. And collectively, uh, we gathered about 105,000 signatures with some partner organizations that we work with.
0: Excellent. And did you hear about you know how did how did the signature collecting go in some of uh, the rural areas where where you know these issues? Are not expected to gain traction? Has it been positive in in those areas also?
1: I mean, I will say for for Jobs With Justice, I mean, we found particularly in a number of um, rural counties that a lot of people are experiencing the closure of hospitals or the cutback of services um, that hospitals are needing to do um, because they have so many people that, Um, should be covered by Medicaid, but instead are uninsured and they're having to provide uncompensated care. So um, some parts of the state that politically you might think um, would be more resistant to something like
0: this were actually some of the most supportive voters that we found. And Bob, can you give us an overview of what is the Medicaid expansion? Uh, You know, why is the voter initiative needed and and what's going to happen if this passes?
2: Well, this, uh, this takes advantage of uh, provision in the Missouri Constitution that's been there for many, many years that allows uh, voters, citizens to bring forward uh, proposals for consideration by the voters of the state. And so in the case of Medicaid expansion, the opportunity has been there for, I think, about 10 years for the legislature to uh, expand Medicaid coverage. Uh, if that's in those states where that's happened, uh, that's paid for 90% by the federal government and 10% by the state. Uh, that's not been approved by the Missouri legislature. So that led to the uh, the voter uh, initiative petition uh, to do this. And if this is successful, it will bring health care coverage to over 200,000 Missouri residents who do not currently have uh, health care coverage and who are also uh, in Uh, poverty. Uh, The main areas that, uh, or the main part of the populace that would benefit would be uh, people between uh, 19 and 64 who uh, don't have uh, disabilities.
0: How have we seen, you know, the outbreak of COVID-19 sort of reinforced, forced this need for the Medicaid expansion in in Missouri?
1: You know, the threats posed by COVID-19 really um, are a great example about why people shouldn't have to choose between health and other priorities in their life, between their health care or paying their electric bill or paying their rent or anything else. You know, One of the most important things that uh, people can do around COVID-19 is to get tests if they are not feeling well. But if you don't have insurance, um, often things like preventative care or tests are things that can force you to make make other difficult prioritization decisions. And so, I think this is uh, a great example about why people shouldn't be forced into making those decisions. I would also say that we've seen um, with COVID nineteen a pre- especially disproportionate impact. On black Missourians um, and they're also disproportionately in the Medicaid gap Um, so we see a particular harm to a particular community that Medicaid expansion could really help benefit.
2: And I would just add to that that uh, certainly people with pre-existing conditions are more likely to Uh, suffer the consequences of COVID-19. And of course, that's particularly amplified in people who have pre-existing conditions and don't have health care. And so their health may not have been uh, as good as it could have been even before they encountered the virus.
0: Richard, can you follow up and and talk a little bit more about that Medicaid gap? What is that? Define that term for us. Sure. So
1: um, in the Affordable Care Act, if you make 100% of the federal poverty level, um, then you can get subsidies um, in the marketplace. That is how the Affordable Care Act was designed, so that at a certain point you begin to get uh, federal government subsidies to buy insurance on the private marketplace. However, in the design of the Affordable Care Act, the idea was that anyone below 100% of poverty um, would be covered by Medicaid. Um, And in the Supreme Court ruling on the Affordable Care Act, they actually struck down the requirement that states expand their Medicaid eligibility. So in Missouri, which has one of the lowest Medicaid eligibility um, uh, programs in the country, um, first of all, if you do not have a child, you are not eligible for Medicaid, period. It doesn't matter if you make $5 $5 in income in the year. Um, you are um, you are not eligible for Medicaid. But if you're a single parent and you make, it's about $3,200 a year, not a month, um, a year, you are deemed too wealthy to qualify for Medicaid. Um, and you are expected to purchase insurance on the private market. But again, that is while you might be too wealthy to qualify for Medicaid, you are not wealthy enough to qualify for a subsidy for the marketplace under the Affordable Care Act. And so there are over uh, 200,000 Missourians who are in that thing that we call the Medicaid gap. They're too wealthy to qualify for Medicaid because of our, our stingy eligibility requirements, but they do not make enough to access the federal supports as part of the Affordable Care Act to buy insurance on on the marketplace. Um, 36 other states, as well as the District of Columbia, Republican states, Democratic states, have recognized um, just how illogical and unfair that is and have taken the steps necessary to close that gap by expanding Medicaid.
0: A lot of what I hear from people who are opposed to this when we were out collecting signatures is that um, it's going to raise taxes or it's going to hurt Missouri's budget. So what's the truth in those
2: statements? Well, the studies uh, that have been published in states that have uh, expanded Medicaid, uh, including, as Richard said, uh, states that have both uh, Republican and uh, Democratic legislatures uh, have shown uh, very consistently overall uh, healthcare cost savings associated with uh, Medicaid expansion, and so I think that uh, those arguments that you just cited uh, are are very narrow and aren't supported by the uh, the studies that have been done based on the experience of other states.
0: Who are some of the the organizations that are helping with the support on this issue? It seems like it's been a pretty broad coalition.
1: So it absolutely is. Um, You know, there are groups like the uh, Missouri Hospital Association, the Missouri Primary Care Association, um, a lot of healthcare providers that have firsthand experience with um, interacting with a population that. Um, is struggling due to not having Medicaid expanded. There are more advocacy groups that have been working on this for a long time, groups like Metropolitan Congregations United, Missouri Jobs with Justice, the Missouri Rural Crisis Center, um, others who, who see people in our communities who are suffering, who are doing this. You see the support because of the economic benefits um, to this. You see support from um, groups like the Chamber of Commerce as well as, well as the Missouri AFL-CIO. Um, you see groups like the Missouri Catholic Conference, um, the Missouri Missionary Baptist um, Conference, You know, people of faith from lots of different and diverse faith backgrounds, all recognizing the value of, of human dignity and human life um, who are stepping up to support this
0: effort. You said that it's, probably likely that the the vote will be or the this measure will be on the ballot in november and there's a possibility it could be in august so what are sort of the next steps in the campaign once we find out when which which ballot it's going to be in and what types of outreach are each organization you know probably going to be ramping up i know i know plans aren't firmed up at this point but uh what what can you imagine at this point
2: Well, from the MCU perspective, what we're planning to do is re-engage with the volunteers that uh, collected signatures and the congregations who were involved to further educate them about the importance of uh, getting this passed, and then to uh, do the canvassing to get people out to uh, to vote for this. I think part of that effort will be uh, dispelling some of the misinformation about the cost implications Along the way, so I think it's really uh, education and uh mobilization of people as we move toward the uh, election time yeah i think I think robert
1: is Robert is right you know I think the important thing is going to be letting people know that this is going to be on the ballot um, you know while there's three hundred and fifty thousand people that have have signed the petition, you know I think a lot of people are are used to following the legislature for how laws get made. Missouri is very fortunate in that um, we have uh, the ability to directly petition our neighbors um, to take action on things that the legislature has for far too long ignored. Um, but it's it's making sure people are aware that this is going to be on the ballot and, and have the facts and information to be able to go and make an informed decision on it. And we think if, if we do that, we feel confident that it will pass.
0: Okay. And to follow up on that, in my understanding that the Missouri legislature has already been trying to sort of blunt the impact of this uh, with a couple of policies they're trying to pass at the last minute in, in this session of the, of legislature.
2: Yeah, I think one of those, one example is the discussions about adding a work requirement uh, to uh, Medicaid coverage. And work
1: requirements have, um, you know, not fared well legally, um, they often get thrown out. Um, but even if they're not, they're really, I think the, busy, the better way to describe them is busy work requirements. Um, it sort of creates a bureaucracy that isn't really about helping people, it's actually designed to try to throw people off um, um, state assistance at times that they need it. So, um, there's been some discussion and effort in the Missouri legislature to maybe move forward um, with something like that, but that is a uh, economically inefficient and um, you know legally questionable um, program. So uh, we think the legislature would be better off in doing simply what the governor has said that he would do is you know wait and see how the people vote on this and then implement that decision.
0: Okay, and Bob, um, can you talk a little bit about MCU's efforts to bring more congregations on board uh, during the signature gathering process and how did that go for you?
2: Well, it was a very interesting uh, experience and actually a very positive one. So we sort of we came at it from multiple angles. Uh, there were a number of uh, our volunteers who self-identified and then we worked back into their congregations from that angle. Uh, but uh, we uh, also contacted a number of congregations where there were not uh, volunteers. They often invited us to uh, bring people there after services on Sunday and collect signatures. Uh, another uh, category I want to particularly comment on is the, the, uh, the Catholic parishes. And, of course, in that case, we had the benefit of the, the support of the Missouri bishops for uh, Medicaid expansion. and. Eventually, that led us to some very large parishes in uh, St. Louis County and St. Charles County, where there was really an amazing uh, response. Hundreds of signatures uh, collected, uh, and it it, uh, was dependent on two things. One is the leadership uh, came out clearly in favor, and secondly, the the members in the various parishes really mobilized to uh, do the work
0: really able to broaden our coalition uh, through this effort then?
2: Well, yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, some some of it uh, depended on uh, churches that were already involved with MCU, but in a number of cases, uh, we made uh, contacts and built bridges with uh, uh, churches that had not previously been involved.
0: Okay, excellent. I'm going to switch topics now. Let's talk about a couple of other things that have been in the news recently before the legislature, and specifically, let's talk about clean Missouri. Um, I, things have been happening moment to the moment to moment, so I do want to let listeners know that this is as of Wednesday, May thirteenth, at three twenty in the afternoon. Uh, so, Richard, what what have you heard?
1: Sure, and, there, and there's. Uh... Unfortunately, probably not going to be as much news about this. You know, just on on Monday, the chair of the Legislative Rules Committee, you know, stated in a hearing that um, the Republican proposal to um, reinsert Jerry, you know, the ability of political parties to gerrymander back into the Missouri Constitution um, was filled with with errors um, and needed correction. Um, That was what he communicated is what someone from the Republican Party had had told them. Um, Unfortunately, that did not stop the um, House of Representatives from passing Senate Joint Resolution 38 today without taking the time to either identify or correct any of those errors. They simply went through and um, spent several hours in the, the middle of a pandemic with over half a million Missourians having filed for unemployment. They spent um, several hours debating and ultimately passing a, really what can only be described as a politician protection um, plan. And this will be coming back to the ballot to Missouri voters. They cannot repeal clean, um, because that was a constitutional amendment, but they can um, ask for, for people to vote again. And so this looks like at this point that this will also either be on the August or November ballot. Um, you know, what the legislature passes goes on to the November ballot, but the, the governor could try to intervene um, and force it to an August ballot. Um, but the, the legislature is really I think, challenged the authority of over 1.4 million Missourians who voted to rid our state of gerrymandering less than two years ago um, and have asked us to consider it again. Um, but I feel confident that um, at least 1.4 million, if, if not even more, um, will be offended by this action of the legislature and will be voting no on what Uh, tentatively, I believe, will be Amendment 3, um, either on the August or November ballot.
0: Can you give a little bit more detail on what what exactly the proposed changes are?
1: Sure. Their proposal um, is to give the two political parties, Republicans and Democrats, greater authority on placing members on a redistricting commission so they specifically refer to it as a bipartisan commission, whereas in other states there have been efforts to have nonpartisan commissions, um, people not involved with political parties. Um, what the Missouri legislature has proposed is a bipartisan commission. So specifically people who are involved with the political parties in charge of, of uh, drawing the districts that um, people would run in. Um, they are seeking to specifically authorize a level of, of gerrymandering that um, is a mathematical formula, but has actually not occurred in any state legislature um, to this degree since the late 1970s in Mississippi. Um, but what the Republican proposal that, that just passed it specifically authorizes that level of gerrymandering. Um, so it's really um, going against the spirit of clean Missouri and what 1.4 million voters, you know, indicated that, that they wanted here um, and is, and is going to go back on that. So um, that, that's what they're up to. Um, there are other provisions of it that I I think are very problematic including provisions that potentially would not count um, immigrants or children um, in the drawing of districts um, and uh, move away from currently every state has a total population requirement um, and uh, there's discussion about making Missouri a test case to move away from that Um, that has long been a a, uh, both a Republican and, frankly, white supremacist goal, um, because that that benefits um, older, um, whiter populations in the process. So there will be a lot, a, a lot more to discuss about that. But that's part of what's included in their in their proposal.
0: I find one of the interesting things about that proposal, reducing the number of people that you count, will reduce Missouri's representation in the. The U.S. House, then, correct, or or is that a different? Do we get to use two different numbers?
1: Well, it it, it's interesting. It's actually two different numbers. Um, The U.S. Congressional would continue to count children and immigrants because that is a that is a the federal standard um, that everyone abides by. But then you would have to ask yourself, um, why does one political party want to use a different standard for how we um, how we do our state legislature? Um, and, you know, I mean, the answer to that is, is frankly, it is a manipulation of things. Um, for, uh, for every two white children, um, in Missouri under the age of 18, um, I believe there's, there's three black children and there's nearly four, um, Latino children. Um, and so while not counting children, I think is offensive to everyone um it particularly has a negative impact on um, black and latino communities
0: okay and then related both to clean missouri and medicaid expansion there was a proposal to change the rules regarding ballot initiatives in missouri how did that make it or does it look like it's going to make it out of the session this year um so that is currently included in
1: at least three different um, of the sort of large omnibus bills that the legislature is doing. I mean, there there are bills that are now um, 75, 80, almost 90 pages long, dealing with lots of different issues. Um, so there are a couple pieces of legislation. Um, Senate Bill 552, Senate Bill 587, um, and uh, I believe it's Senate Bill 785. Um, are all pieces of legislation that would impose for the first time fees on Missourians that file initiative petitions. So if, if you wanted your neighbors to consider an issue, you would have to pay a $500, um, I guess, access fee to that tool of democracy. Um, and it, there, there are other various provisions in there. It would also give the Attorney General and the Secretary of State broad new powers to um, interpret initiatives and potentially weigh in on whether or not issues should um, be allowed to move forward and and go to voters. So the the really problematic bills, I know Robert was part of a delegation that came up to Jefferson City earlier this year and spoke with senators about preserving the over 100-year history that Missouri has for the initiative petition process and we hope to see those bills defeated and, and maintain access to democracy and, and direct democracy through the initiative process.
2: Richard, uh, as those move forward, uh, I guess we're down to the last two two days or so. Um, uh, the Is there likely that there'd be a, a filibuster to, uh, as a way to uh, address those?
1: I mean, it, it is certainly possible. I think there are... Um, actually senators from from both sides of the aisle um, and groups from both sides of the aisle who really um, value this tool of direct democracy. And um, as a lot of these bills are getting loaded up with um, multiple subjects and multiple provisions, it, it makes it a little hard to tell exactly where they are. But um, certainly that is our hope that Um, some of these bills might face a filibuster in the final hours.
0: So things are wrapping up pretty quickly at the uh, state house in Jefferson city. We will come back and talk about some of these things again. Uh, Richard, just a a final note from you. Any, any final words about Missouri jobs justice, uh, what you guys do and any other efforts that you've got going on, maybe even during the summer and and, and during the pandemic.
1: Sure. So Missouri jobs of justice is a coalition of labor, community, um, faith, and student groups, as well as individual active activists um, that fight for really an economy and democracy that work for working people. Um, that is our, our main focus. And so we will certainly um, be defending the mandate on clean Missouri, um, it sounds like, this summer and fall, as well as um, supporting the, the long-delayed expansion of Medicaid in Missouri. Uh, but one thing that um, we're also looking towards for the future is we think the, the pandemic has really um, exposed how antiquated and broken Missouri's voting laws are. Um, 34 other states allow people to um, vote absentee or potentially vote early um, without needing an excuse. Um, Missouri is not one of them. We have very limited provisions as to why you can vote early. And that has created a lot of confusion across the state um, as to how people vote safely in this time. And so we think it is, it, it is certainly time that Missouri have a more updated and modern um, system of conducting elections. And so we are going to be working on putting a, together a, a campaign for that.
0: And Bob, um, any any final thoughts from MCU's uh, efforts on, on any of these issues?
2: Well, I think now that we know that we'll be working on two things at the same time, uh, Medicaid expansion and uh, the defense of uh, CLEAN, I think it actually creates a very interesting opportunity to build some more bridges among, uh, among voters, because even though on the surface these seem like disparate issues, they actually, I think, uh, tie together uh, very well in terms of things that people fundamentally uh, – Uh, believe in. So we look forward to further educating uh, people and getting people out to vote.
0: Okay, I want to thank our guests today, Richard von Glan, the Policy Director from Missouri Jobs with Justice, and Bob Carr, who coordinates MCU congregations to gather signatures for Medicaid expansion and then also be uh, defending clean Missouri. To learn more about MCU, go to the Metropolitan Congregations United website at mcustu.com lewis.org. And Richard, give us uh, some contact information for Missouri Jobs with Justice.
1: Yep. Our website is www.mojwj.org. You can follow us on Twitter at MoJWJ or Facebook, Missouri Jobs with Justice.
0: And also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram for news and events. And if you want to participate, that's the place to find it. And uh, we have plenty of opportunities for you to sign up and get involved uh, on those social media outlets. I'm Kevin Prang, and you have been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.